Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. So this series is called The Land Between, and it is all about uh, life's unwanted transitions. I mean, really, any transition that we face in life. uh, Am I in the dark? Am I not? I feel like I'm dark. Am I making that up? I'm good. No light? No light? Can can I get light? I feel kind of green. It's cool. We'll roll with the green for a little bit, but... Uh, like I said, that is kind of an unwanted transition right there, isn't it? Like I was just thrown into the land between for a moment. Uh, we're not talking about moments like that. We are talking about those moments in life where life just gets crazy, right? Life doesn't uh, go the way that we plan or the way that we expect. And uh, this concept and this series is really based on a book that I read a few years back while I was going through my own uh, land between moment. And uh, the book We'll show you a picture of it here in just a second. It's uh, a great resource if you want to take this conversation a little farther. Uh, just like we're doing in this series, the book follows the journey of God's people uh, through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. So they were literally trapped in the land between. And uh, it's written by a guy named Jeff Mannion, who's a pastor up in uh, the Grand Rapids area. And uh, again, if you want to take that a little bit further, I can't recommend it highly enough. But I'm curious, uh, how many of you guys have ever been out hiking? Just like show of hands. Yeah, a lot of us, like not like I wandered into the woods one day, but like actually for like maybe an hour or longer or or like more than one mile, you like hiked out there. So you you still qualify? Okay. Yeah. So I um, actually got the opportunity to do a little bit of hiking earlier this year. I I shared with you guys around the time that it happened. um, I was blessed at the start of this year with like a mini sabbatical for pastors. Uh, It's through this organization called Teamness. Uh, that's ran by a guy who just wants to serve the church and serve pastors. And so I saw this towards the end of last year and it was like, apply here for a free week in Nashville. And I'm like, okay, there's going to be a catch, but that sounds good. And I was blown away. Uh, this whole trip, there was no catch. It was just like generosity upon generosity upon generosity. So I got posted up in this camper for the week and I had like no plans, no agenda, nothing to do, which is kind of hard for me. And so I was like, day one, I think I tried to just stay in the camper and chill out for a little bit. And then by day two, I'm like, I got to do something. So I looked at what was around and I saw there were uh, lots of parks and uh, just kind of like walking trails around the area where this family lived that I was staying at. And so, <laughs> yep, there it is in all its glory. I went out. Um, unfortunately, this is the only picture I took of myself on this trip. And so my host, Evan, afterwards was like, hey, we want to like celebrate the pastors who are with us and promote things. Can you send me a picture? And I was like... That's all I got, man. So that's actually on their website, like me promoting. (laughs) But anyway, I went to this park and um, I didn't really know where I was heading. I just started walking. And it turns out this park that I was in was like an interconnected uh, group of several trails. So you would like be walking on one and if you're not paying attention, suddenly you would be on another. And thankfully there were maps along the way eventually that I caught, but I just kept walking. I spent my whole morning and up until like early afternoon when I started getting hungry, just walking, just processing, like just taking in nature. And it was awesome. But towards the tail end of it, I kind of realized like, I don't really know where I'm going. And I don't really know where I am because I've been going for quite a while. And so I decided to figure out like where I was on the map and I turned around and I started walking back. And as I was walking back, like it was a nice day, uh, it was warming up and people were starting to come out. I kept passing other hikers. And every time uh, as I was walking past them on this trail, they all started asking me the same question. Do you know what that question is? 
what's ahead? That's close. They were basically like, hey, are we there yet? Right? Have we made it yet? Uh, even as I was getting close to the parking lot at the end, someone were like, hey, are we there yet? I'm like, no, you're not even out of the car, right? <laughs> it's the question that my five-year-old loves to ask right now. Like, no matter at what distance we're driving, it's like, hey, are we there yet? <laughs> no, we're not even in reverse. Like, we're in the driveway. But, but it's this question um, that a lot of us have asked before. And, and as I was thinking about where we're going today, there's a lot of people who I think are asking that same question, but not as it relates to hiking, and not as it relates to like traveling in, in any sense, but some of us are asking, hey, am I there yet in the season that you're in, in the space that you're in in life? Because maybe you're navigating the land between and you're not where you once were, but you're not yet where you wanna be either. And you've been thrust into this a lot of times against our will or against our expectations. You find yourself in this space where you're just wondering like, hey, am I, am I there yet? Like, when am I gonna make it? How long? do I have to keep going until I make it to my destination? And, and I mean, there's all kinds of examples where we can be thrown into seasons like this. Maybe you struggle with depression, right? And, and just out of nowhere, it's like you wake up one day or you have some kind of experience and it triggers this valley of emotional darkness where it just feels heavy and like ordinary things seem so difficult, right? You're just, <laughs> you don't wanna get out of bed, you don't wanna do anything. And, and you think like, I believe I'll come out on the other side at some point. Right? Maybe, maybe it's prompted by something that you've gone through or, or maybe it's just like a chemical thing and that's totally okay if that's something that you face. But either way, you feel that sense of like, man, how long do I have to feel this way? Right? Am I there yet? How long do I have to stay stuck here? How long do I have to walk this path? Maybe uh, you've been on the job search right? and you're applying for jobs and then you're waiting and applying and waiting and you've heard like hundreds of complimentary ways to hear no and you're just like, man, when... Am I going to get there, right? When am I going to get the thing that I'm going after? If you've ever wrestled through grief, right? Grief isn't something that you just like happen and then you pack it away. Grief is something you go through. And when you're going through that journey of grief, man, it is just this like nagging question of when is it going to feel better again, right? When is life going to feel the way that it used to? When am I going to wake up and this isn't going to be all consuming for me, right? That question just lingers for us. Am I there yet? And how long do I have to keep going on this path? And uh, if you're here and you can get your mind and get your heart around that line of thinking, uh, around that kind of mindset, uh, then it'll have you in the same headspace as our main character that we're looking at today. Uh, we're looking at the leader, Moses, who led God's people through the wilderness. And Moses' story, um, he shows up at the beginning of the Bible. There's Genesis where all the creation stuff happens, then everything goes bad. And then book two is Exodus. And that's where we meet Moses. And Moses is this shepherd guy. Uh, I told you last week, this is my favorite Moses. Awesome glamour shot Charlton Heston Moses, which I like. He's like flexing with those tablets. <laughs> like, oh, Moses. Anyway, so that's my favorite version of Moses. But uh, despite glamour shot Moses, the thing we actually have to remember about the real Moses who really lived is Moses didn't actually want the job that he got. Uh, Moses was just the shepherd and he was concerned about his people, uh, but he didn't actually want the job to lead those people in the first place. At the beginning, he's just tending to his sheep and kind of trying to live in obscurity and relax a little bit off the grid. And then he's walking around and he sees this bush and it's this bush that we call it the burning bush, but it actually wasn't burning. It wasn't burning up at all. It was like mysteriously just constantly burning and constantly going. And, and so 
Uh, Moses approaches this bush and he hears the voice of God uh, say to him through this burning bush that didn't burn up, he says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. And and these were Moses' forefathers. These are generations of leaders who had gone before him. And and this voice of God speaking through the bush says, hey, the people of Egypt, or the people of Israel rather, have been enslaved in Egypt for generations. And, And God says, hey, I have seen my people and I've heard their cries and I'm concerned. God says, I've seen, and I've heard, and I'm concerned. And Moses is probably like, it's about time, God. Because again, it's been generations of slavery. They've been asking that question, how long are we going to be stuck here? And God says, well, hey, I'm going to send you to do something about it, Moses. So, so God's like, hey, I'm going to do something about the plight of your people. And Moses is like, yes, finally. And then God says, and I'm going to do it through you. And Moses is like, no, right? Like, you got to find another you. He's like, they're not going to follow me. And God's like, I don't care. I'm going to be with you. You're, gonna, you're the guy. You're going to go. He's like, no, no, no. I, I like kind of stutter. I'm slow of speech. They're not going to listen to me. He's like, it's okay. I'll, I'll help you speak. You're, you're going to go, right? And, and so Moses did not apply for this position to lead the people of God. He was recruited against his will. And, and then once he's in it and he starts leading the people, it does not go extraordinarily well for him. It, it kind of ends up being a big mess along the way because he's not in Egypt anymore. God does set them free out of slavery and they're on their way, but they're not yet in the promised land either. We showed you this map last week that God's people, and for all of us, when we navigate the land between, are here, right? To the left, that's the land of Egypt, which although it was the land of slavery for God's people, it also was a land that was flourishing. There was all kinds of good food to eat and all kinds of great amenities for them to experience. And then off to the right and, and up kind of in the top corner where it says beer or whatever, uh, that is the land of Canaan. And you can see the green is also starting to grow there because it is this lush land that was promised to God's people. We call it the promised land or the land of milk and honey. And so uh, God's people were neither back in Egypt And they weren't yet in the promised land. They were there in the land between. They were stuck navigating this land between. And Moses was the leader. He he was trying to to lead the people to where God has called them to be, but they were wandering in the desert. And they were asking that same question, are we there yet? And how long are we going to wander? And this map and this story, as we said last week, it's going to guide us throughout this entire series as we discover how we can also navigate our own land between moments. But as the people are wandering and they're following Moses, they grow more and more resentful towards Moses' leadership the longer they're out there. I I mean, they just start bickering and complaining. And it's not just like a couple of times that they throw out a little complaint about his leadership. Again and again and again and again, whenever the people encounter hardship in the wilderness, they scream at Moses. They blame Moses. They say, Moses, hey, why did you ever take us out of Egypt in the first place? And Moses, at this point in the story, is sick of it. Okay, he's heard these people complaining and griping and blaming. And it happens time and time again. They run out of water. They blame Moses. They run out of food. They blame Moses. They don't really feel like they know where they're going. They blame Moses and they complain. And and so we're jumping into the story at about the same point that we were last week. Uh, They've been wandering for roughly about two years at this point. And they've been going on and on and on. And this complaint has been happening. Eventually, this complaint ramped up about this food substance that we talked about last week, manna, which God provided for them in the wilderness to eat, but they complained about it. It wasn't as good as the food that they used to have in Egypt. And what would happen is the dew would fall in the morning and this flaky seed would kind of come up and and they would gather it together and they would grind it and boil it in a pot and make it into a mush 
or a cake, and they would eat it and cook it day after day after day, and they are sick of it. And so we're going to look again at a passage that we read last week as well, just to remind you of the mindset that these people were in as it relates specifically to the way that they were being provided for. It's in Numbers chapter 11. It says the rabble, which is a great description for this group already, right? There's the rabble. But the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. It sounds like a weird salad to me, but they're like, oh, it was so good. And now we've lost our appetites, right? All we have, we never see anything but this manna. right, this stuff that God has given us to live. And maybe if you have little ones at your dinner table, this just sounds like a regular evening, (laughs) right? Like, oh, I'm sick of this stuff. What are you giving it to me for? Or maybe that's just my kid. But at this point in the story, this complaining is not just complaining. It's growing so large. It's like at riot level proportions as the people are fighting and they're grumbling and they're complaining. And, And we looked at this last week, and this is what we acknowledged last week as it relates to the land between that the land between, when we're in these seasons of unwanted transition, it can be fertile ground for complaint to grow, right? We can grumble, we can be frustrated just like God's people were, but the land between is also fertile ground for trust to go. That the option is in front of us, that we can complain and we can grow bitter and resentful and just stew about our circumstances or, or stay fixated on the things that we don't have or don't understand. And and don't get me wrong, we said this last week, it's okay to express those things. In fact, it's healthy to express those negative emotions, but there's a difference between expressing them and dwelling on them. There's a difference between expressing frustration and living in bitterness and resentment. And and so what we said last week is ultimately that we get a choice. And the choice that we make determines if the land between grows complaint in us or grows trust in us. That we don't always get to choose what happens to us but we do get to choose how we respond. We do get to choose how we view the things that we go through. So we're gonna move forward uh, with this story today. And as we do so, uh, this story that we're teasing out throughout the series, the next question that we're gonna ask is, what did Moses do with these people? Right? What did Moses, the leader, do with these complaining people? And how is it possible for him to actually connect with God in the middle of this mess, in the middle of the land between, in the middle of his own uncertainty, or maybe even more important, how is it possible that God connected with Moses in the middle of this mess? And and if you find yourself in a land between season, which the bad news I told you last week is you either have just gotten out of one, you're in one right now, or one is probably coming for you because none of us escape life without going through some of these difficult moments. But if you're in the land between and you feel stranded, and you're asking that same question that I heard on the trail, right? How long? How long do I have to stay like this? How long is life going to be like this? Well, my hope is that today, uh, looking at how Moses responds in his land between moment, my hope is that it might give you some language and maybe some clues for how you can connect with God and, and how maybe God wants to connect with you in the midst of the mess that you find yourself in. Because that can be the difficult part, right? When we're in these moments and things just feel chaotic, It feels all-consuming, and it can feel so difficult to understand where God is at. But we're going to check in on our boy Moses, and we're going to ask, hey, Moses, how you doing, man? Uh, Because he has a few hundred thousand people screaming at him regularly. Okay, that's like his day job is just to take it from the people. And and Moses goes on. After all this complaining is happening, this like manna riots are stirring up, Moses goes on, and he prays a prayer. 
And it is one of the most amazingly honest prayers I think that's found in all of scripture. He says this, it says, Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. It's every pastor's favorite prayer. You stuck me with these people, God. Right? No, just kidding. Not for you guys. Never. Uh, but like, you notice the language that Moses is using, right? He drifts into this childcare language. He's like, I'm not their mom, right? Like, I didn't, these aren't my kids. Why do I have to carry them around like little babies and put up with their complaints? Like, that's, uh, this wasn't my idea, God, right? I, I didn't even volunteer. I was voluntold. Like, I just had to go because you said to go, and I was kicking and screaming the whole way, and now here we are, and I have to put up with these complaining people. And, and Moses is so honest. I mean, I love what he says there. He's like, this is too heavy, this is too heavy. I can't carry this anymore. And if you've ever been in the land between, right, you've probably felt that. You felt that moment where you're like, oh, it's too heavy, right? I can't carry it. I can't do this the way that I've been trying to do it on my own anymore. And so this shows us that there's something else that can grow in the desert, that if we find ourselves in the land between, not only can complaint grow or trust grow, but the land between is fertile ground for meltdown, Right? The land between is fertile ground for that moment where we just get to the end of ourselves and we're like, I can't take it anymore. I can't handle it. And, and like, here's another thing I want to say. If you're there, God's not afraid of that. In fact, we're going to discover that when we look at God's response here to Moses. God's not afraid uh, of where you find yourself and where your emotions are taking you. Uh, but if you've been there before, you know. If you haven't, or it's been a while, maybe you're like, I don't know. I mean, Moses sounds tired, right? He's being honest, but meltdown, that feels a little strong. Well, that's because you haven't read verse 15 yet, because Moses goes on in his prayer, and the next thing that he says to God is, if this is how you're going to treat me, go ahead and kill me. If I've found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin, right? Like, this guy's in a tough spot. He's like, if this is what life's going to be like, just end it now, God. Like, really, this is what you called me to? I don't, I don't want to do it anymore, like, I've got one request. If this is what it's going to be between you and me, God, kill me now, and I'm out. Obviously, Moses in this moment is discouraged, and he's disillusioned, and he's drifting on the edge of despair, right? He's like, there's no hope here. I'm just exhausted by it. And Moses, again, says, God, this is too heavy, and I can't carry this anymore. And I wonder, right, do you recognize that voice in anybody else? That voice that's just saying, like, man, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this the way that I've been doing this anymore. Like somebody you know, or maybe yourself, if you're honest in the season that you're in, where you're just fried, right? It's just like there's nothing left to give, and it almost feels like a weight that's slipping through your fingers. If you've ever lifted something that's like awkward or just slightly too heavy, you know that feeling when you've got it, but you've barely got it? Like if you're moving a dresser or something, it's like there's nothing to grip, and it's slipping, and Sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? You get to that spot where it's like, I, I can't carry this anymore. It's too heavy and I'm trying, but it's slipping through my fingers. I mean, maybe it was when you were in college, right? And it was senior year, but you knew that you had the wrong degree program and you had to navigate like, man, can I change my major now? Because you know changing your major means carrying more debt. 
and you know carrying that debt means you're gonna to pay for that and more years of school and you're just like, what do I do, right? Clock's ticking, I gotta figure it out. I gotta figure out what's next in life, but I don't know. Maybe you were in a relationship one time that was supposed to be long-term and then very quickly became short-term and you're just left feeling the weight of like what you thought life was gonna be and what you thought that relationship was gonna be. Maybe you've lived for years with trouble in your family that it just seems like you can't fix. We're heading into the holidays, right? And you know it's gonna be waiting for you at the Thanksgiving table and, and at Christmas. It's like, it's just gonna be there and we gotta navigate it. Maybe you've carried the weight of disease. Y you've seen a parent age and lose their memory, maybe to something like Alzheimer's or, or dementia. Like, we've seen these moments where ugh, life gets so heavy and so difficult. <laughs> maybe your business or your career seems like it's hanging on by a thread. And, and it's like you're waking up and you're doing what you can do and you're sitting there at work, but the stress meets you there, right? And you're just wondering what's gonna happen next. And maybe you've never actually used the words that Moses uses, but I think all of us know somebody or have been somebody at any given moment in our story where we've experienced this feeling of, I can't do this anymore, right? I can't do this the way I've been doing it. And it's where we get in that space where it doesn't feel like it's just one thing that's wrong, right? It feels like it's everything. It doesn't feel like we can pinpoint even what has gotten us into this space, and it's like we're drifting without an anchor. How much longer do I have to walk this path? Right? Am I there yet? There's something uh, important that we can learn from Moses if you ever find yourself in that moment. Because while Moses is melting down, right? Moses is in a pretty tough spot. Moses is at least facing the right direction. Moses is at least facing the right direction because remember, we looked at the people of God last week, the people who were complaining about everything. They were complaining about Moses. They were complaining about their food. They were complaining about God. Uh, they were just complaining and looking at their situation and grumbling. Moses isn't doing that. Okay, Moses isn't complaining just about his circumstances, but rather Moses takes his situation to God. He's talking to God and he's like, God, this is what I got. Okay, like, I'm fried. This isn't working. Why did you give me these people? He's honest with God, but he's not just talking about God. He's talking to God, and he has his hands open or this posture that's just like, blah, right? Like, I'm just going to get rid of all this stuff that's inside of me, and I'm going to give it to God. And sometimes, like, if you really think about you and your circumstance being honest to God, sometimes us good Christians are like, can you do that? Right? Can you... Like you read how Moses prayed and you're like, he shouldn't talk to God like that, right? That's not what I learned in Sunday school. That's not how this is supposed to work. But man, the truth is God can handle your honesty. In fact, God prefers it. Jesus talks all the time about how we shouldn't dress up our faith in religious language and try and sound impressive, but rather we should approach him just as we are. That God can actually handle our meltdown. And sometimes the meltdown is a part of the process of figuring out the way to move forward. So Moses goes to God and he basically says, God, this is what I'm facing, right? This is the real me. This is all the discouragement and the disillusionment. And so that begs the question for us, right? What's God gonna do? Like, how is God gonna meet this guy? Is he arming the lightning bolts already? Because he's like, you don't talk to me like that, Moses. Or for us, right, if we've ever navigated the land between, we've gotta know. How does God respond to us in those moments of meltdown? Like, how does God actually meet us? What does he do with our disillusionment and with our discouragement? Is he gonna meet us with compassion and gentleness and mercy and kindness? Moses pours out his heart to God. And here's what God says back to him. 
the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people and have them come to the tent of meeting that they might stand there with you. So God's basically like, hey Moses, kind of a tall order, right? Moses is like, hey, I'm tired, I can't do anymore. He's like, well, find 70 guys, okay? Like just find 70 leaders, find a big group of leaders and have them come to the tent of meeting, which if you don't know, the tent of meeting, we often call the tabernacle. It was this portable worship center that God's people had built as they were wandering through the wilderness. And the, the tent of meeting or the tabernacle was a big deal because inside of the tent of meeting was the Ark of the Covenant, that thing that Indiana Jones was after, right? So it was in the middle of the tent. And what that meant was it represented the place where God's presence dwelled, that God's presence was with his people. And so when you went inside of that tent of meeting, it meant I'm gonna go be in the very presence of God himself. So God tells Moses, hey, get 70 leaders and then come meet with me, right? Come step in to my presence. It doesn't exactly sound like a guy who's upset, right? God's not like, get out of here, Moses. He says, get some help and then come with me, come meet with me. And he goes on and God says, I'll come down and I'll speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them and they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. See, we don't know exactly how it works, but there's this sense in which Moses kind of had this special gifting or special anointing to be the leader of God's people. And, and so God says, hey, gather these guys, gather these leaders together, bring them into my presence, and I'm gonna take some of that special stuff that you've got, and I'm gonna share it with them. He's basically like, I'm gonna make 70 mini Moseses. <laughs> like I'm gonna make this little army of helpers for you. And did you notice God in his compassion uses the same language that Moses used back to him. He, he says, I'm gonna raise up these leaders. They're gonna share the burden. He acknowledges it, right? He's like, they're gonna share the burden so that you don't have to carry it alone. Which brings us to the other way we can respond in the land between. Right? The land between is fertile ground for meltdown. And we've probably all been there or wanted to be there. Some of us were like, every day. <laughs> I'm on the verge, every day. And if they say that thing to me one more time, it's like, you're just on edge. Meltdown is easily a result of the land between, but the land between is also fertile ground for God's provision. The land between is also the space where God likes to show up and provide for us in the most unexpected ways. So here's the point today. Right, as we're looking at this little snapshot in this big story, Moses found himself at a moment of meltdown and he was honest to God. He released what was going on in him, but God responded by providing for him in a way that Moses could receive the help that he needed. And once again, just like last week, the point today is that the same thing can be true for us in our own land between seasons. When we're navigating the unexpected, when life feels like it's turned upside down and you need to have that moment of meltdown, one thing that's good news for us is you have permission to do that. You can bring that to God. You don't have to just bring that about God or complain about God. The best thing you can do is bring your honest heart to a God who loves you and wants to meet you in the midst of wherever you find yourself. But not only that, that same God wants to pour out compassion and provision for you towards what you need. It, it begs the question, right, if you're in that season, does God still do this? And what if he does? Right? What if God still wants to be that good? What if God still wants to provide for you even when it looks like there's no way? 
I shared about uh, one of my recent land between moments as I was going through a lot of transition, both like with my job and a lot of grief and loss and just a lot of uncertainty. It was also during COVID season. So we were all kind of collectively going through this together. And I can remember, I mean, honestly, I got to this space where like we were doing all the Zoom meetings and stuff. And right, I had the computer at my house that I couldn't leave for six months or eight months. Or whatever. And, and I can remember there were days that I was just sitting at that computer like looking at my bookshelf behind me, like shuffling the papers, just like, what do I do in this season? Because so much of my work was gone. I had just navigated the church merger, so even my sense of who we were as a church, it felt like it was gone, and I, I just felt that meltdown mode coming on me, where I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to do, I can't do it. I wanted to shrink back, I wanted to hide, almost in a, a kind of depressing way. Right? I'm just like, I don't want to do anything. I'm just gonna stare at this screen and wait for the next Zoom call, I guess, or whatever, open my solitaire window on the other side. But it was also in that season that another leader uh, came alongside me, a guy who I had known for several years, just kind of as an acquaintance. Uh, he's no longer there, but it was uh, Pastor Anthony Cazello at Revolution Church. Um, he, Revolution was kind of like a sister church to the church that I was a part of in those days. And, uh, and through that whole merger and navigating what was next, Anthony just showed up. It's, it's like, I didn't go knocking, I didn't go asking. Anthony just showed up in my life. And Anthony, for that season, was so intentional and so disciplined and so deliberate in checking in on me and just being like, hey, how's it going, man? Hey, hop on a Zoom call, right? Tell me what's going on. Tell me where you're at. Tell me what you're feeling about the work you're called to do. Is it still here? Is it somewhere else? What does it look like? How's your heart? How's your family doing? Like he would just ask me these below the surface questions that became a lifeline of provision for me throughout those months. And I didn't even know it at the time. Honestly, there were times that it's like, oh, Anthony wants to talk again, right? He's gonna go under the surface and I don't wanna go under the surface. <laughs> I wanna stay in meltdown mode. I wanna pout. But he would stay after me and we would meet and we would talk and in hindsight, Anthony's moved away. He's a pastor elsewhere now, and uh, we still talk, but we don't talk like we did in that season, and that's okay because what I have recognized is for me in that land between moment, Anthony was this like means of God's provision in my life where I had a friend who was removed from all of it but cared, somebody who showed up and spoke into my life and encouraged me to keep going or at least to get clarity around what was next, and it's not like Anthony just like slid the plan across the table to me, right? And I was like, well, apply for this role next and then lead this church and you're gonna call it story and there's gonna be these people and they'll actually follow you again. And, but he didn't know any of that. And he didn't really give me that many answers. What he gave me was companionship. He gave me a friend. He gave me someone who understood and helped me feel like my meltdown wasn't crazy. And in that way, God provided for me through my friend in that season in a way that I never expected. And here's the point, the same is true for you whatever you may be facing. Like, I have no idea what this will look like in your situation. But maybe you're going through a season of, of depression or of feeling down or feeling stuck, and maybe somebody's gonna show up. A friend is gonna come alongside you who, who's able to listen to you, and he's able to, to make you feel understood. And, and they won't fix all the problems, but they'll walk with you through them. Right? Maybe God's gonna provide for you in that way. Maybe <laughs> for a lot of us, if we're honest, it's these land between seasons that actually drive us into scripture, that actually drive us in to experiencing God's presence because we're just so desperate for a way out that we're like, maybe I'll even try this thing. And we dust it off our coffee table and we open up that Bible. And maybe for you, you're gonna encounter scripture that connects with you in a way that you didn't know was possible. Maybe for you, 
when you think about your journey here at Story, maybe that's why you're here, right? You got so desperate that you're like, I'm even gonna try that movie theater church because I'm just looking for something or someone that I can connect with. I'm looking for some answers. God uses the most unexpected seasons to provide for us in the most extraordinary ways. And, and it won't feel like it in the time. Okay, I'm not trying to like tie this all off in a bow and gloss over the difficulty. The meltdown phase is real, but so is the provision on the other side. And, and we can go through both with open hands, believing that God still is that good. So here's the invitation. If you're in a land between moment, you can open up and you can tell God how bad it is. You can melt down and God is able to take that from you. You can release what you're feeling to God, but stay open-handed, remembering that God also wants to give you. He wants to help you receive his provision, often in unexpected ways in these seasons. And and so really quickly, uh, just as we wrap up, I wanna give you a kind of an exercise that maybe will help make this a little more practical. Because I know in these seasons, it feels like, man, what do I do or how do I navigate this together? One of the best things that I've found uh, just as I've navigated uncertainty and navigated kind of the meltdown emotions is to actually uh, open scripture and to let the prayers that are recorded in scripture become my prayers. A A great place to do this is if you just like have an actual physical Bible and you open it up basically to the middle, you'll probably land in the book of Psalms. Psalms is a powerful book to do this through because Psalms are typically songs or prayers that were recorded and it is some of the like grittiest, most honest stuff in the Bible. If you really read it and like try and comprehend it, some of it, it's like you can't say that to God, but it's there, it's in the text, it's recorded as holy scripture, some of this ranting and raving. And so I would say there's three steps you can take. If you open up your Bible and you look through it, you can scan through the text. And look through, especially in Psalms, look through some of these prayers and try and find language that matches where you are. Like the circumstances, the situation might be different. Sometimes the text is hard to understand. But what if you look and you're like, man, is there anybody speaking to the thing that I'm feeling? Is there anybody that I can connect with and identify with in this text? Scan through it. And then when you find it, connect it. Connect the dots with it. When you see it, go, hey, that's me. Right? They're talking about me and, and grab onto it and explore it together. And then here's the most powerful part. Okay, it's not just going, okay, someone's been here before and hey, that's where I am right now too. But you can actually borrow it. You can borrow their language. You can borrow their prayers and you can take their imagery to give you language to write your own prayer back to God. You can scan the text, connect with it, and then borrow it to give you language for the thing that you're navigating. And and I know that may feel like kind of Bible 101 simple, but I'm telling you, if you feel lost and you feel stuck and you're navigating the land between, this can be a lifeline. This can be something that gives you language when you feel like you don't have words. It can be something that gives you empathy and connection when you feel like you're the only one. And what if it's possible that these prayers could actually give us language when we feel lost? I'm gonna make us do like an in-class lab for just a second before we wrap up because some of you don't seem convinced yet. Uh, There is a Psalm and, and it's Psalm 13. And if you find yourself in the land between, if you're like those people that I was walking past on that path and you're saying, how long are we there yet? How long are we there yet? Look at what David wrote in Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? 
how long will my enemy triumph over me? Again, you can connect with that, right? If you've ever been in a space, like, how long, God, am I going to wake up and it's going to feel like this? So you can scan it, you can connect with it, and you can actually borrow that language. You can be that honest with God. But here's the other powerful thing. On the back side of this psalm, and on the back side of almost every psalm, it doesn't stay there. There's the meltdown moment, right? How long, God? What is the, what am I going through? Why are my enemies triumphing? Why do I have these thoughts? But then just a few verses later, you can borrow this language again. The psalmist also turns to hope. The psalmist also tries to receive that provision from God and says, but, right, the meltdown's real, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation and I'm gonna sing the Lord's praise because he has been good to me. And listen, when you're in the land between, that can be hard to see. It can be hard to believe. When you've lost something or (laughs) when you're just uncertain of where life is going, it can be so difficult to see the goodness of God. But what this text reminds us, what this prayer that we can borrow teaches us is that God's goodness in the past can provide us clarity for the present and hope for our future. And and so here's the simple but powerful invitation if you're in the land between. It's to open up. Let yourself melt down. God can handle it. But also be ready to receive the provision he may want to give to you in the most unexpected places. Let me pray for you. God, uh, these moments, I mean, they can in so many ways be defining moments for our life and for our faith. We said it last week that the desert can be the place where our faith goes to die or it can be the place where it unexpectedly flourishes. And God, I know some of my friends here today are in the land between. They are navigating heavy circumstances, uncertainty, I mean, so many things. We could go down the row and all of us have a story and every one of our stories matters to you. But God, I pray that we can have such confidence in you that we're able to approach you open-handedly, that we can melt down to you when we need to, knowing that you prefer our honesty and that you can receive it and not only receive it and overlook it, but rather that you have compassion on us in the midst of it. So God, help us to stay open, not only to release our feelings to you, but also to receive your provision And God, again, I pray for those of us navigating moments like this, that we would receive your goodness even in unexpected ways. So God, show up in our lives and give us the eyes to see you and the ears to hear and the will to follow you. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.